Merry Christmas. We start a sermon series this morning called The Peace on Earth. Peace on Earth. The scripture records in Luke chapter number Luke chapter number 2 beginning with verse number 8. Let us hear the words of the gospel according to Luke chapter number 2 verse number 8. Luke chapter 2 verse number 8. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields by night, keeping watch over their flock. Behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said, Do not fear, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you in this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And so it was while the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that shall come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the same which was told to them concerning this child. And all these things, and all those who heard it marveled at these things which was told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Peace on earth. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to uh, preach your word and to open up the bread of life to these people today. I pray that as we give heed to your word, that your word would pierce our hearts, that all that is said and all that is done would bring you the glory. And everyone said, Amen. There was this great scholar, maybe some of you know who he is, N.T. Wright, a great New Testament scholar, tells of a Christmas service that he was preaching at many years ago. And after the Christmas service, a famous historian who was very skeptical about Christianity, as a matter of fact, he wrote many books about how skeptical he was about the doctrines of Christianity. And so after the uh, Christmas service, he was only attending because his family asked him to. So after the service, he went up to this uh, N.T. Wright and said to him, he said, he said, uh, Dr. Wright, he said, uh, I have finally, finally worked out why most people really like Christmas, he declared. He said, I, I found out why people love Christmas. N.T. Wright said, well, what's your perception about that? He said, well, he said, a baby threatens no one. So this whole thing is really just a happy event, which means nothing at all. Absolutely nothing at all. I thought about it. This, This whole thing is just a happy ending, a happy event which means nothing at all. And yet, there are millions today 
that is totally unaffected by Christmas and the season of Christmas and the message of Christmas because it means nothing to them. To some people, Christmas means many things. To some, it, it means hard work. I mean, stores are crowded with record numbers. To some people, it's very hard work. The post office is overflowing with mail. Trains and buses and are carrying record numbers of people. To some people, Christmas is a visit home. And truly, it's probably the best time to visit home. To some people, Christmas means a sad memory because they look back and realize of all the missed opportunities that they've had to be with family. But to millions of people, Christmas means nothing. Because they don't know Jesus. They don't, to them, Christmas is just another day. Let me ask you a question. What does Christmas mean to you? And I am convinced that if you are a Christian, then Christmas means everything to us. If you are a Christian, then Christmas means everything to us. It means that God loves us with all of His heart. It means that God has regarded your lost condition and He has done something about it. If you are a Christian, Christmas means everything. It means that God has given His best gift that He could ever give. If you are a Christian, Christmas means everything. It means that a Savior is born. Born to set us an example with His life. Born to die for the sins of humanity. Born to be raised for our justification. Born to ascend on high and to intercede for His church. Born to give us hope of His coming and, and gather all believers unto Himself on that great glorious resurrection morning. If you are a Christian, then Christmas means everything. It's just not about a happy ending, which means nothing. Christmas story means everything. To some people, Jesus is not a threat. To some people, Jesus was a threat. 2,000 and some years ago, a baby was born in the town of Bethlehem. As a matter of fact, the scripture is clear that angels showed up on the Judean hillside and began to sing happy birthday to a baby that was wrapped in linen cloth. His mother, between 14 and 16 years of age, took that baby, nursed it on her breast, and yet I... I am convinced that I don't think that Mary understood the implication of what was exactly happening in front of her. It's no wonder the scripture says she pondered it in her heart. Why do you ponder things? You ponder things because it's strange and it's, you're trying to figure things out. And Mary did not understand the implication of what was happening there. It reminds me of that old Christmas carol. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above the deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting life. The hope and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of of hopelessness and no peace, God demonstrated Himself 
in a manger in a little town in Israel called Bethlehem, an insignificant town. He showed up in an insignificant town to insignificant shepherds to declare his love to a lost and dying humanity. Let us never forget the purpose of Christmas. Christmas is many things to lots of people, but Christmas is the story about how God loves humanity, and that is the greatest story of all times. The angel said unto the virgin, and you will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That is the Christmas story. You're going to bring forth a baby, and that baby is going to save his people from their sins. Oh, that's a great, glorious message because I can't save myself. I can't even help myself. But I want you to listen to the words of the angel who said to the virgin, you're going to have a baby and this baby is going to be called Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about hope. Christmas is about forgiveness. Christmas is about salvation and mercy and healing. Christmas is about a tomb that is still empty. Christmas is about a prayer that still saves, a, a strife that still heals, a, a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Christmas is about hope for humanity. That's what Christmas is about. See, all down through the centuries, God had tried to get a hold of humanity. God has tried His best to get a hold of humanity. I mean, if you look in the Old Testament, in the Garden of Eden, God talked with humanity. He walked with us. In the Ark of the Covenant, God protected His people. In the Temple of Solomon, God sanctified His people. In the lion's den... God intervened for His people. In the fiery furnace, God stood with His people. In the preaching of the prophets, God sought to redeem us, to rescue us, and to revive us. But in the Christmas story, God said, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to become one of you, and I'm going to feel your pain, and I'm going to feel your hurt. And not only am I going to be the victim, but I'm going to be the victor in this situation. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Christmas is about God still believing in us. He still believes in us. I mean, we failed you in the garden, Lord. We're the ones that caused the mess. We're the guilty ones. And Christmas is about God saying, I understand you have messed it up for centuries. I've sent prophets and they declared to you the word and yet you've rebelled against me. I've sent my word and you've rebelled against it. And yet Christmas reminds us that God said, I'm going to, I still believe in you and I'm going to give you another chance. Instead of me sending prophets and sending preachers, I, 
think I'm going to come down and live with you. But God, humanity, came down, wrapped Himself in flesh. It's a mystery. How can God become one of us? And yet that's the mystery of the Christmas story. God is man, and yet He's God. He's not 50% man and 50% God. He's 100% God and 100% man, born of the Virgin Mary. As, as man, He becomes hungry. But as God, He multiplies the loaf and the fish. As, as man, He sleeps in the boat. But as God, He commands the winds and the waves to be still. As man, He weeps at the tomb of Lazarus. But as God, He commands the dead body to get up and walk again. As man, He dies on the cross. But as God, He resurrects Himself from the grave. He is God and man wrapped up in one person. You see, I'm convinced that most of you are so Christianized and so numb to the Christmas story, it means nothing to us. I'm safe to assume that. It doesn't affect our theology. It doesn't affect the way we live. God became one of us. That is the mystery of Christianity. Before we hoop and holler at a tomb that's empty, let us first stop at the stable. Because you see, that's what happens. The God of the world was born in a dirty stable. He, he stepped out of His exalted throne to a lowly manger. He stepped out of His royal robe and was clothed in swaddling clothes. He left the worship of the heavenly host to be surrounded by shepherds and wise men. He left the fragrance of incense in heaven to be born in the stench of a stable. That right there is the greatest story of all. Santa Claus can never do that. I said Santa Claus can never do that. Somebody said that Santa Claus lives at the North Pole. I don't, I don't know whether that's true or not. But Jesus lives everywhere. Santa Claus rides in a sleigh, but Jesus rides on the wind and walks on the water. Santa comes once a year, but Jesus is the ever-present help in the time of trouble. Santa comes down the chimney, but Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Santa fills your stocking with goodies, but Jesus supplies all of your needs. you got to wait in line to see old Santa Claus, but Jesus holds your hand at the very mention of his name. Santa has a belly full of jelly, but Jesus has a heart full of love. Santa, y'all going to make me shout up in this church this morning. Santa has little helpers with new toys, but Jesus makes new lives. 
Santa puts gifts under your tree, but Jesus became the greatest gift ever known to man who died on the tree. Let us never forget the meaning of Christmas. Christmas is about hope. Christmas is about peace. Peace and hope. You see, I think it's time for us to rejoice. It's Christmas time. And Christ has come and he has delivered us from the evil one. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's Christmas time. Rejoice. He has crushed the head of the serpent. Rejoice. He has bruised the head of the enemy. Rejoice. He has broken the power of sin and shame. Rejoice. He has set his church free with a new song in our mouth. We are the church, blood-bought, redeemed by the price of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In the first verse of that song we sing every year, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. That verse that says, Long laid the world in sin, never pining. The writer was simply saying, The world is wasting away. Long laid the world in sin and error pining. It's, it's wasting away. But he paints a picture in that song and he says, even though there's darkness without light and there's despair and no peace and no hope, he says, but, 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 a thrill of hope for the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Why did he say that? Because it always contingent upon the day he appeared and my soul felt its worth. You see, that's what happens even in your life. Nothing changes until he appears. Nothing changes until he appears. He appeared 2,000 and some years ago to, some, to a virgin and some shepherds and everything changed. As a matter of fact, we have divided history because of that birth. But let it be said that nothing changes in your life until He appears. And when He appears, your soul will feel its worth. See, when, when He came, Sister Jennifer, everything changed. The hopelessness received hope. Those who were in bondage received freedom. Those who were in sin received salvation. Those who were in shame received mercy. Those who were in guilt received forgiveness. Those who were sick received healing. It wasn't until He came. It was when He came. Everything changed. And my prayer today is this. As we get in the hustle and bustle of Christmas, let us be reminded that Jesus Christ became one of us and gave Himself for the world. For instance, rewind 2,000 years ago. A virgin receiving a message that she would have the Son of God. She was, I'm sure, accused of inappropriate behavior. Here is a woman who was engaged to Joseph, and yet he never put her away. He did the right thing. He prayed about it. 
And yet there was this stigma around Mary. Here you are engaged and yet you're pregnant. There is a stigma that went with that. But you see, in, in, in Roman culture, Romans didn't really care whether Mary was pregnant or not because they had their own set of beliefs and practices. Roman mythology taught that the god Zeus would come down every century to pregnate a virgin girl. So just imagine Mary in this, the Jewish world, which was controlled by the Romans. The Romans laughed at her. Ah, uh, she's a virgin. God, Zeus, has probably impregnated her. That was a theory. The Jews scratched their head thinking, what does this mean that a, a virgin is conceived and she's bearing a baby? You see, the Christmas story is about many people who were trying to find peace with the story. The story is, is composed of characters who were trying to find peace with what was happening. I mean, Mary, standing in the midst of scandal, standing in the midst of accusations, standing in the midst of people pointing her finger and saying, you did something inappropriate. And the Romans thinking that she was impregnated by the god Zeus. Mary had to find peace in herself. That what she heard from the angel was a message from God. She wasn't hallucinating. She wasn't making it up. But the message that she heard was from the mouth of the angel. And thus, it must be true. What about the shepherds? I mean, the shepherds had to find peace with the story as well. I mean, here's these insignificant people roaming on the Judean hillside and minding their own business, and a bunch of angels showed up and said, you're going to go find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. It doesn't make sense why shepherds would attend a birthday party. Don't you think that shepherds need to stick with shepherding? and not attending an insignificant birthday party. And yet, the shepherds had to find peace in themselves that what I heard from the Judean hillside must be true. And the Bible says, and they ran with haste and found the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that every character in the story, people had to find peace in themselves that what they heard was true. Mary had to find peace that it was true. The shepherds had to find peace in themselves that it was true. What about the wise men who studied the stars? And yet, they noticed that there was one star that was bigger than all the rest. The wise men had to find peace in themselves that when they got there, they didn't find him in a palace, but they found him in a house or a manger. How do you reconcile that the king of the universe is born in a stable instead of a palace? Wise men had to come to the terms in themselves and find peace within themselves 
that the story is correct. What about Joseph? There's a lot of celebration concerning Christ and his mother. But what about this blessed man who was engaged to a woman? And the Bible says he was so troubled that he went to bed one night and the angel appeared to him and said, Don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. You see, the point of the story is Joseph had to find peace in himself that what he heard was true. What he heard from the mouth of Mary is not a made-up story, but the story is actually true. What about Simon, who the Bible says is a story, a character in the Christmas story that don't get much attention, but he was waiting and praying and fasting in the temple so that he could see the Christ child. You see, Simon had to come to a place in his life that he had to have peace that no matter how long I've waited, I'm going to behold his face. My brothers and sisters, the Christmas story is about a bunch of characters trying to find peace with everything they heard, everything they saw. And isn't it ironic that some of us are so troubled we're hurting. We're scratching our head because we have peace with God, but there is no peace of God. And the reason why there's no peace of God is because what you have saw, what you saw and what you heard doesn't make sense to your logic. I prayed about this and did not get it. I, I prayed for this person and they passed away. There is, we have peace with God, but there's peace of God. There's trouble within us. We're trying to reconcile our stories together. Just like 2,000 years ago, they had to reconcile the story so that they could have peace. Am I talking to anyone today? Have you ever been there? You love God. You want to do what God wants you to do. You know you're right with God. But there's that peace of God. Things don't make sense. You, you go throughout your life scratching your head and wondering how in the world is this going to make sense, but you're in the same boat because that's what the Christmas story is about. It's about a bunch of people who is trying to make sense and have peace about what's happening. How do you have peace? When the angel showed up on the Judean hillside and said, glory to God and peace on earth, there ain't no peace. Peace. The Romans control us. Peace. I mean, come on, folks. Millions of Jews were sent to concentration camps. Peace! America is the number one country in the world for divorce and abortion and teenage suicide. Peace! We have church shootings and school shootings as if it's the norm in America. Peace! People got to take over-medicate themselves just to survive. Peace! Where 
is this peace this angel said to those shepherds? Glory to God. Peace on earth. See, the angel was telling those shepherds, this baby that was going to be born in Bethlehem, your perception of peace is that he would tear down the kingdoms of the world and establish a kingdom that you're used to. This baby isn't coming to tear down physical kingdoms. This baby only brings peace when his government is reigning in your heart. And their perception of peace was that we we'll only have peace as long as the Messiah sets up His kingdom. And isn't that what the issue is in the world today? We sign one peace treaty after another peace treaty. And we meet with the nations of the world so that our nations could have peace. Yet we have forgotten that peace is not found in a written treaty. Peace is not found on who's on the throne and who's not on the throne. Peace is found in the hearts of humanity. Because you can be in a jail cell and still have peace. You can be locked up in prison and still write the book of Philippians, which is a letter on joy. Your surroundings has nothing to do with whether you have peace or not. Peace. Peace. It's the Greek word which means wholeness. Glory to God and wholeness to man. Mankind is broken. He's bringing wholeness to us. Mankind is cracked. We're fractured. Wholeness. Wholeness. Peace. What about it, ladies and gentlemen? Is there wholeness in you? Is there this resolve inside of you? Every one of those characters teaches something. The shepherds teach us that they had to find peace about this story. And when they did, they seized the moment. The wise men had to find peace about what was going on in this story and when they did, they kept their eye on the star. They kept their eye on the goal and it led them to Christ. Joseph had to find peace about what was going on and after he found peace, he did the right thing. He didn't divorce her. Mary, after the angel showed up, she said, how can this be? Makes sense. But Mary trusted God for the impossible. Simon, who waited in the temple, and Anna, who was a prophetess, waited in the temple for the consolation of Israel, waited and fasted and prayed to see the Christ child. They had to have peace that no matter how long it took, we shall see the promise. They teach us that you've got to be patient. You've got to be patient on what God is doing. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above the deep and dreamless sleep 
the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The greatest story ever known to man is a baby born 2,000 years ago demonstrated itself to the world. And yet after 2,000 years, we have more churches, more people, more missionaries around the world than we've ever had in 2,000 years. When he left, there was 12 disciples and 120 in the upper room. There's over 2.3 billion today. Christianity is not dying. We are alive and well proclaiming the message. <laughs>